it's pretty crazy to say like, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to go into this room and a guy's going to show us like two moves uh, of a possible 10 million. And we're going to all drill them a few times. And then we're going to fight to the death. But be right before you die, just tap on your partner who you've never met before. And he's going to he's going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll let you go. I won't kill you. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform. That Gosh, man, that was, was a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I'm joined by Josh McKinney, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, as well as the host of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. He probably should have reserved that name for a white belt, but that is the name of his podcast. Josh does not suck at jiu-jitsu, and he does not suck at putting out good content. Um, if you're like me, when you first got into jiu-jitsu, you just started looking at everything, going down all the rabbit holes, YouTube, podcasts, everything like that. I came across his show. He's really good sound quality, and he talks about really relevant things. Um, sometimes it's him interviewing a high-level black belt competitor. Sometimes it's just him talking about some habits that can help your jiu-jitsu game get better. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I was excited to have him on, especially since I listened to a lot of his episodes of the podcast. And uh, I hope you guys take something away from this one and really enjoy this conversation. Without further ado, here's Josh McKinney. Why did you start your podcast in the first place? You know, I just, uh, I kind of wanted an avenue to brand myself better. I just saw a lot of people that were being successful in jujitsu that maybe I thought, oh, but this guy, I don't even know if this guy's better than me, uh, but he's branding himself much better than I am. And so more people know him, more people buy his stuff. And so for me, I wanted a way to be able to brand myself. And a lot of people have YouTube channels and I just knew it was going to be hard to really break into YouTube. And I just wanted to do something different. One of my students suggested, um, randomly on like a Thursday night. He's like, dude, you should start a podcast. And then I was like, okay. And the Friday I released my first episode and I was just like, yeah, I'll start a podcast. It was just me talking into my phone in my bedroom. And, uh, it was just, yeah, I think this might be it. And then I worked on it for a while and it probably took 50 episodes before I was going, I think I'm going to keep doing this. Like, this isn't just something that I, I may or may not stick with. I think I'm going to keep doing this. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, but yeah, that's how it started. That's interesting. How um, how often were you doing it in the beginning? So in the beginning, I was doing it like once a week or every two weeks. It really wasn't that consistent. And then um, COVID hit and we were just stuck inside. So I started recording and so was everybody. And so I started recording a bunch of episodes and I had so many, I just started to re release like twice a week, sometimes three times a week, sometimes it just depended on how many I had. Um, but this year was the first time uh, that I have consistently posted um, like every single Thursday. That's kind of, I've had other days that I'll post sometimes, uh, but like this is the first time I've ever consistently been able to post new episodes for any span of time, I guess 10 months now. Okay, nice. I don't know if you know this, but we had Chris Wojcik on. I saw. Week. I was looking at your guests. 
Uh-huh. And I was like, oh man, that was that was good timing. <laughs> yeah. And you really I think you released it Thursday and I released it Friday and I was like, <laughs> oh god. I wish I would have would have pulled the trigger on Wednesday. But no, no, I totally um yeah, it's cool it's cool like kind of going back to like you ne- you never really know who's going to listen. Like you could have done 100 episodes before I found your podcast and then you have a new listener and then if I really like it, then I tell other people at the gym or I go back and listen to 30, 40 episodes. And it's like, it, it really racks up over time. I think a lot of people, you, you, you know, you want to see the instant gratification right away. And sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't come really fast. It doesn't seem like jujitsu or podcasting are th- things that are great. If you love instant gratification, you know, they are, they are, um, yeah, really. I, I I guess that's why I've been so comfortable in the podcast thing is because I'm like, yeah, I know how uh, I know how to be bad at something and then just keep doing it for a long enough time until you start to get good at it. You know, that get doing jujitsu, getting a black belt that teaches you that so much because, uh, you, I mean, nobody comes in and they're good. You know, everybody comes in and they're just absolutely terrible and you you get beat up enough and then all of a sudden you go, oh, well, now I kind of I know what I'm doing. You know, a new person comes in, I can beat him up really easily, just like everyone used to do to me. And uh, yeah, I feel that correlation between podcasting and jujitsu a lot is there are times I'll be doing episodes and it will feel like, man, I, I'm running into a wall. This doesn't feel that great. I just don't feel like I'm, you know, I'm not really meshing with this person, whatever it is. Um, but uh, it's like, man, I suck, but maybe one day I'll be better. You know, maybe I just keep doing it. How do you... I mean, so you obviously got the gratification in in the jujitsu world, like you're a black belt, you know, you're teaching, you have your own school. So it's like from the outside looking in, you're successful. But in the podcast, like you're going back and basically being a white belt again and doing something that you suck at. Not that you suck at. I think you have a really good podcast, but, you know, like to kind of to restart, was it difficult at all? Or it's just like you you can kind of pick it up on anything it's like hey if you would have done a podcast or if you would have done a youtube channel or you can just apply that that learning because i was listening to one that you talked about just learning that you're able to do that in everything once you've mastered jujitsu then you've been able to kind of master other things i think that for most people um you know, and, the, and it'll be different changes, but I think for most of us, we would all agree that um, that get a black belt in jujitsu usually takes like ten years to get a black belt in jujitsu, and uh, pretty much everyone would agree you're not the same person that you were when you first stepped on the mats, and uh, a lot of times the change is so drastic uh, uh, in who you you were before you started doing jujitsu versus who you are now, and uh, I think there's this this unwritten undiscovered thing that just happens when you've been on the mats long enough you run into certain problems and they're all, always going to express themselves differently uh you know it's been weird my wife trains now and she's you know we've been together much longer than she's trained but i've gotten to now in my household she's a blue belt now uh i've gotten to see somebody go through the struggles of a white belt and the struggles of a white belt are different for a a 25 year old woman versus a 14 year old kid in in an adult class like I was but there's still struggles and they still change you and they if you get good at being able to 
whatever you want to call it, tough through something, being able to uh, endure is probably the best word for it. Uh, If you get good at that and then you get good at learning while you're enduring, uh, you're going to be able to apply that to anything. So even if I'm not as natural at podcasting as maybe somebody else is, I know how to go in and say, well, I know this sucks. I know that I'm not good at this now, but I can I can do this forever. Wait, I have to do it once a week. You know, and you can think in such simple terms. Say, okay, it's going to take two hours of my time once a week, and I just need to be consistent on it. That's what everyone says is important, just like in jujitsu. You know, that's what everyone says is important. And if I just endure and then you know pick up little bits where I can, you know, build the right relationships, do the right things that I did in the jujitsu world. Uh, hopefully, eventually I'll have a black belt level podcast. It, what's the goal? Like, do you have an end goal where you would say that the podcast is successful? Um, Man, the podcast is successful now. I mean, it is. I've built so many great relationships, uh, even if though it's not financially successful now. Uh, to me, it has been way, I've gotten way more out of it than I've put into it. Uh, and to me, that's a huge success for anything. If you can get more out of something than you put in. And um, I just am really starting to see that success. When I go to jujitsu tournaments now, I'm having conversations with school owners that I would have never known who are saying, yeah, maybe, maybe you could teach at my school. And I'm like, yeah, that you know that opportunity would have never come if it wasn't for the podcast. So for me, the podcast is successful and I'm happy with it. I'm going to keep doing it. Um, but in a sense of like listeners and a sense of like where it could be, uh, I would say, I don't know. I think I would say that that when it can start affecting more than just my life, obviously I know that people find stuff helpful, but um, when the financial side of the podcast can start to positively affect my family, positively affect my students, you know, for to be able to have a, a huge jujitsu podcast one day, when one of my students gets his black belt and he's been competing a ton and he has uh, is a good teacher to be able to, um, have them on my podcast and say, oh yeah, you have instructionals that are out now. And to be able to really, you know, rocket strap him because I was able to, um, you know, I was able to build this podcast. That's to me when it will be successful, but I don't think that that is a, maybe a tangible number. Uh, it's more of just, uh, you know, there will be a point where it starts affecting other people positively. And I notice it and, uh, and that's what I'm excited for. That's what I look forward to. Yeah, and I guess it already has. And I think, I mean, there's so many correlations that I've been training for 11 months, like I said, and, you know, you're able to pick up lessons that on the mat that you transfer over into everything. So maybe you're not having success on the mat or like you're trying to do a move or whatever. You're just not picking something up. But it's like if you're able to look at, oh, that was somebody who used to tap me out all the time and then I didn't get tapped out today. We mm-hmm. rolled for five minutes and, you know, that's a success. But if you're only looking at, hey, the amount of listeners or the the belt that you're wearing, if you're only looking at those tangible things, you're probably never going to be successful at what you do because you're always focused on the, the outside. You're well, never focused on like the small things. Yeah. And it's going to also discourage you. You know, if you are focused on your losses all the time and not your wins, you know, yes, you can definitely learn things from losing and uh, from being bad or being embarrassed, being whatever. You can learn so much from those situations. 
But if you go to a jujitsu school and every day you just are getting beat down and you never have any tangible evidence that you're getting better and all your focus is you know, not the guys that you beat, it's only the guys that you lose to and you go well i'm supposed to beat these guys you know that's just the you know i can't beat this purple belt i can't beat this brown belt, whatever and you put so much pressure on yourself and then you quit you go you know i i suck at this because you're putting your goals when you put them as this brown belt or this purple belt when you're brand new your goal is so far off you have so many uh you know you have so many little goals that you will be successfully overcoming way before you ever tap that brown belt you know you will have to beat so many people you have to survive so many people way before you ever tap that brown belt and so i think that uh yeah i think that yeah there's so much correlation between jujitsu and in most things where you struggle uh because that's really what a lot of it is is this like friendship kind of a, a group suffering we all suffer together and it's fun we all induce suffering on each other and it's fun you know, and we all, it, it builds this com camaraderie. It builds this relationship. That's the, the beauty of jujitsu. I think one of the beauties of jujitsu. Yeah. I told my one professor, I was like, and I haven't even told anybody from my school that I've been talking on a podcast about jujitsu because it's like, I told my professor, I'm like, I'm so bad at this and I don't understand why I enjoy it mm -hmm. because it's like, it, it, it's almost scary to say like, how much I enjoy it because I'm terrible at it. Uh -huh. So it, it, so like it's constantly that inner battle where it's like, hey, I'm starting to talk to some higher level people and really get some value in the jujitsu world, but I'm also walking into the school and like, hey, I'm gonna lose to everybody today, and mm -hmm. y you know, I'm st I'm still not getting the the basic moves. And y if you look at the like, look at the belt or look at the end goal, it's like, oh, geez, I'm never gonna get there. And then it's like. I enjoy it and it's fun. So I'm going to keep doing it. And then who knows where you end up at that, at the end of the journey. Mm -hmm. And that's like, as long as you don't make it your job, as long as you don't make like showing up to class, this experience where it's based on your performance, it's based on all these other things. Uh, if you just, just kind of how, like you were saying, you show up and you, you know, I know, Hey, I'm probably going to lose 99% of the rounds that I have tonight. 99% of the seconds that I'm on this mat, I'm going to be getting beat up. And, uh, you know, but man, if I can make that 1%, 2% today, that's huge. You know, if I can just win a little more against these guys, that's huge. And that makes it fun. And you have this, then you're looking forward to jujitsu at the end of the day where you're going to get beat up for 99% of the time. Uh, but you're, you're not worried about that. It's like, yeah, this is fun. I don't have to know exactly why it is fun, you know, but there's just something in our DNA that, that makes wrestling with your peers really fun. You know, it's a blast. Mm -hmm. So you said when you become a black belt, you kind of become a different person. Who were you when you first stepped on the mats and what's really changed? Man, I was young. I was 14 when I first started training. And so uh, it's weird that there was a a single day shift that kind of changed my life, right? Uh, most people, maybe we probably all have these, but uh, you don't think about them. They're not like a very tangible day. Uh but the first day I went in to train, I was, uh, I was only there cause my mom was making, I was overweight and I really, I had played a few sports growing up, but I never liked them. 
I pretty much only liked watching pro wrestling. And so I uh, go into this gym thinking like, like, okay, you know, I knew of jujitsu. I had actually even grappled a little bit before, um, but it was very, very basic stuff. It was not, it was not jujitsu. And so uh, going into my first class, I remember thinking like, uh, like, okay, I'll do this once a week. My mom will be happy and I'll be able to, you know, it's not on Monday night, uh, raw or Friday night Smackdown. So as long as I'm not hitting one of those two, I'll do this once a week. It'll be great. And, um, did my first class and it was a, I mean, just a noticeable change of my life. Uh, I started training every single day, pretty much from then on, we went in the next morning, my mom and I, and, uh, signed up for an unlimited membership and started training every class that I could. Every time there was a new class, I was at it and, uh, did that for, a really long time. And, uh, it really did, you know, shape who I am a lot. You know, you get to meet so many different people and, uh, just be in so many different situations because of whatever, because of tournaments you're traveling to. Um, but just also because you're 14, 15 years old and you're fighting grown men all the time. And like, some of them don't want to lose to you. Don't think it's fun to lose to you. And like having those situations, um, that really, just changes you, makes you grow up, I think, a lot faster, at least in certain aspects. Were you worried as much about winning? Like, I, I know when, when I see somebody who's younger, they tend to really, every round, they want to win. If you're doing pass or sweep, they want to win every single time, especially, like, you get a wrestler or something who comes in. But when you're 14, I guess since you came in with the mindset, like, hey, I'm just going to do this because my mom's making me, maybe you didn't care about it as much as the the average person would uh i really understood at an incredibly early stage of my jujitsu that training was to get me better uh and i want to say it's because i competed so early i competed like three months into to training and uh, it was an insane experience as for a 14 year old, but it, it was uh it was a good experience and uh it really did it really did make me go, okay, so I am getting ready at the gym for these tournaments. That's what I'm, that's where I'm trying. That's where winning matters. And so, uh, it kind of let me separate that. And also the fact that I was 14 for the first, my first six months, there was no kid under, I think 21. There was no one there at the gym under 21. So I was just getting, and everyone's brand new too. The gym had just opened up. It's not like there's purple belts that are, Hey, I'll help you out. You know, you're a kid. I'll nothing. It was the wild West. We were all white belts and everyone was trying to kill each other. And so, uh, I didn't worry about losing cause I was just losing all the time. And, uh, I just like, as I kind of gotten to grow, as I grew up a little more, I was just more consistent than everybody. And, um, as that happened, I would just start to like start beating one person. And then I would go like, okay, I can beat that guy now. And I would consistently beat him because I'm a kid. You know, a lot of these guys are in their 30s and 40s and they're not learning near as fast as I am. So once I could beat them, I was beating them forever, you know? And so uh, as I start, as I kept just going to the next person and the next person, uh, I, I never really thought much of it. It's just like, yeah, this is just fun. I just enjoy doing it. When somebody could come in and beat me and somebody was tough, uh, even as I grew up, it was always more of this because it happened less and less. It was more of the shock to me of like, 
oh my gosh, I've got to know more about what this guy's doing. This, that was crazy. That was so cool. You know, and it was, it was less, uh, even now it's still less about, you know, there's some every once in a while I'll get frustrated if I lose or something, but very seldom, uh, do I, do I, did you have anything else in childhood that kind of taught you to, you know, value the process or like, did you right away kind of like what, creates that mindset like how how do you go into it with a long-term mindset knowing that hey i got to do this for 10 years was there anything that kind of pushed you in that direction i think it was helpful that i had nothing else going on (laughs) it was helpful that i had no other prospects you know that really i think made a big difference uh but i have no doubt that my dad also just his just just the um how how hard of a worker he always was how he was always willing to try something new uh even even still now um but just how willing he was to always try something new and be committed to it and never ever i mean i've never heard my dad complain about about anything you know he just uh um uh, you know just somebody that knows how to get things done, to work hard, to think uh, uh, strategically, to plan ahead, uh, just a, a super great guy. And I think that a lot of my personality traits really just came from him. Yeah, that's interesting. I played baseball growing up and I think um, I was able to take that into jujitsu just because mm-hmm. I failed so many times in baseball. <laughs> so like you're always getting out, you're always striking out, you're always popping up and you know, if you if you look at every at bat that you have as successful or unsuccessful, you're gonna be mad most of the time. Mm-hmm. Even if you're good. Yeah. You know yeah, even if you're if you're the best, <laughs> yeah. you're still gonna be you're still gonna be frustrated more often than you're than you're uh, not frustrated. Yeah, absolutely. So competing wise, you started three months in and then have you has there been a period where you stopped competing or have you just kept on every belt that you've had just keep on competing i did compete i have competed at every belt uh and and competed quite a bit at every belt but there were times at purple belt where i wasn't competing very often and uh and it wasn't like because of injury or anything like that it was just more like lack of desire i think and uh and it was also kind of i stopped having as much success because i started to um, have to have a job, you know, and have to, you know, I couldn't, I was I, at purple, Bell, I was like 18 years old, uh, and 19 years old. And so I had to start having all kinds of other responsibilities and it made it much harder to compete as consistently and do as well. And so, uh, there's a little bit of a break there, but besides that, I've been pretty much competing ever since. Do you recommend competing to everybody? I know people are kind of, I hear both ways, like people, a lot of people say you should compete, basically just do it just because it's, it's fun and you'll learn a lot. But other people are like, Hey, if you don't want to compete, you don't have to. When it, when it comes to jujitsu, I recommend nothing to everybody. Uh, I don't think that there is any one size fits all. I think for a lot of people, I think competing is a really great experience, even if you're just going to do it once. Uh, but I really, I don't think it is for every single person that walks through the door that you should compete. Like, uh, uh, and I have a, a very competition focused gym, but there are, I have certain students that I would rather them not compete because uh, they're a little older. And to me, they have more value at the gym than they do if they go in and win a, a medal 
just it, on the off chance that they get hurt. And so um, there are times that I'll say that, you know, hey, maybe you shouldn't compete. But uh, I would say uh, for most people, I think going in, especially if there's a good tournament that has like a six month and under division, uh, I think going in and doing one of those or a year and under or whatever, you know, just a, uh, uh, hey, these are not just white belts even because sometimes you'll go to a, a white belt only division and it can have some um, some ringers in it, you know, that have trained for a long time, just never gotten promoted. doesn't always happen, but just every once in a while. Uh, but regardless, I think that early on competition, uh, just because there is this life or death circumstance that happens when you go to compete and it's, it's bizarre. Everybody I talked to has experienced it. Uh, you know, whether you, I, I have friends that say it happens in MMA, especially too. Um, but there are these times, it doesn't happen every tournament. Uh, and it just, there are these times where you're fighting really hard. The person is also fighting really hard and you're pretty evenly matched. And then it stops becoming about jujitsu. It stops becoming about technique or even cardio or anything. It just becomes a war of attrition. And when you get into these circumstances, which just seems for most people when you first, it's like every Mac one of those, uh, just cause you're, you know, you're trying to be a brute. Right. And, um, you feel these like, oh, I'm, this is it. I'm going to die. This is the word, you know, I can feel it. And there is something about that. You know, we talk about circumstances that uh, kind of change you. That is one of those circumstances that will, it will totally change you. Really, obviously you weren't going to die, but really thinking that you were and having that feeling, it changes what you value. It changes, uh, it changes how you think. I mean, for the next tournament, it will even change you to be like, Hey, I can't, I can't eat that because my cardio was bad because I cut too much weight. And I, you know, I mean, it really does just shift things for you, but there is just something about this, um, this fight in front of your 20 jujitsu friends and maybe your parents if they come watch there's something about it that can just it's just such a crazy experience it's just very hard to explain uh besides what i tried to say <laughs> no i think that's interesting too and a lot of times like you never really get to test yourself against somebody who's equally matches you in your gym because a lot of i mean my gym there's probably a couple people who came in at the same time but people are out because of injuries or you have something happen where you don't go to the gym. So it's, you don't really get to go against people who are evenly matched. And, you know, you hear a lot about heart and, and, uh, like if somebody's a fighter, but if you're about to get arm barred, you're a dumbass if you don't tap to <laughs> yeah. it. Like you can have all the heart in the world, but like, are you going to not tap to an arm bar because you have too much heart? Like that's just not very smart. Yeah, sometimes your if your heart outweighs your brain, that's not that's not a good thing either. I I think that the uh, the hardest fight that you'll ever see at a tournament, and this really to me is that the biggest uh, toughness test is when guys get tired. If you watch sweeps, like um, I, you you know I I go from my back to on top, and then that fight because there's three seconds that you could get up and not get scored on and so there's no points for those three seconds and the that is always the most shocking thing for people when they go compete versus training at the gym when we're training at the gym i knock you on your back a lot of times you go okay it's jujitsu i'll just play guard and then you play guard but at the tournament they go no that's bad you lose the other guy gets two points and so there is this shift in mindset that like oh 
I would rather die than get put on my back. I will do everything to, to fight this. And uh, some of those fights, those little you know, game of inches fights, that's really where you see a lot of people's toughness and at least uh, uh, ability to kind of grind in tournaments because you both have a shot at winning in those positions. The The bottom guy has a shot at getting up. Top guy has a shot at, at pinning them down. And so uh, a lot of times it's just, hey, who's going to be tougher on this and really fight it hard? I'm sure you've you've been able to kind of see this as a teacher too, but like, do you see a shift in people when they become tougher or like they become a fighter in those moments? Like, have you seen any of your students who went from the person who would just be fine being on their back to no i'm i'm gonna get up every time every chance i can get i would say uh most i would say the biggest shout out that i would give in like toughness development from my team is uh like my my women uh that trained so so many of the girls like because we don't have a very big women's program and when you have a school that doesn't have a big women's program the girls that are there are always tough and it's just because they have to be everybody trained. No one trains with, oh, I'm rolling with a girl in mind. You know what I mean? They just train with, we're just here to train. You know, this girl's here. She's just here to train hard. And so, uh, you know, I have like uh, four or five girls that are really consistent and like all have um, because of competing, because of just pushing themselves and because I am horrifically mean to them when I train with them. Um, they have all gotten so much tougher and like, like uh, exponentially tougher to where they're a lot tougher than a lot of the guys. And so it, it's um, I think it's that like, you know, being the, the low person on the totem pole, especially when people aren't super nice because they just don't know how you probably should roll with girls. Uh, you know, that produces just crazy toughness and also the kids that come up into the adult class too they always are incredibly tough because they come up into the adult class everyone's being really nice to them for a while but they have really good jujitsu because they've trained for a long time and then the adult guys are like all right i'm tired of this little kid beating up on me i'm going to use adult strength and those kids have to get tough too that's why you see so many like 17 and 18 year old kids that have trained their whole life, but are so good because they get so good technically. And then they get this toughness training for the, that like 14 to 18, because all the adults at the gym try to kill them. They're, they're black belt level technicians. Um, and then they get to be black belt level toughness too, because they get that, those beatings. Yeah. What do you think about, why don't you think that there's as many girls in jujitsu? Like my school's the same way. There's probably maybe four to five in the off chance, maybe 10 at most, but like some classes will have 20, 30 people and there will be one or two girls. What, what do you think it takes to get more females into jujitsu? I'm honestly, I'm not really sure. I don't, I I've asked people this. I've asked really, um, you know, I've asked women this, I've asked, uh, big programs this you have know, asked this kind of thing quite a few times and never have i gotten somebody that's like oh yeah this is what this is what you should be doing um but i think just like with how jujitsu has developed for uh guys way more guys do it than ever before uh i think came from seeing people in the ufc seeing people 
hearing people talk about jujitsu and you start doing it. So the more women that are fighting MMA, the more women that are doing jujitsu, I think the more women that are going to be doing jujitsu, you know, the more that they're going to be female podcasts that talk jujitsu, uh, that are pulling people from other places. I really think that that is going to happen because they, uh, I, I I don't seem to find a difference or see notice a difference in like the fun level between men and women. They seem to both they have different struggles on the mat, but they seem to both have the same amount of fun when they come and train. And so uh, I think that it's just a matter of more women training that will get more women to train. It just seems uninviting still. You know, like you said, there's not a lot of girls at your you know, at your jujitsu school, if I, if I was 100% convinced that like, okay, uh, yoga is for me, I'm, you know, yoga is going to be perfect for me. It's the exact same thing I need. And then I show up to a class and I'm like, wait, I'm the only dude here. Is this, do, do guys even do this? You know, I don't, I don't understand. And you get into these, uh, you start to play in your head. Like maybe I, you know, maybe I shouldn't, Dude, maybe I shouldn't be here. No one who looks like me is here. And so uh, I think that happens at so many schools still. You just need uh, what I've seen that the schools that have overcome this, you need that group of five to 10 really tough girls. Uh, you need that group of just like when you have uh, your your men's program, you need a you need some blue belts and some purple belts. It makes it so much easier when you have a group of guys that are just always on the mat showing how well jujitsu works. And it's the same way for women. When you have a group of girls just showing how well jujitsu works and Hey, these girls did it, you know, I could do it too. And I think that that makes it, that's kind of the, the big thing that you need is just more women doing it. Yeah, for sure. I one of my best friends. I took her kids are now doing it. She has three kids in jujitsu, and like she's afraid to get on the mat. And I'm like, just come to a class with me. Just come to a class. Like, it's it's totally not. I think some women think it's going to be sexual too. Like the mm -hmm. being mounted and stuff is, is something that they're uncomfortable with. But I'm like, you just got to show up. I think like if you get on the mat and then you're like, okay, this is totally not what I expected. It's I don't know. It's, it, I guess you can, you can try to come up with a perfect answer, but like more people just getting on the mat is the solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope like as a, as a white belt, it's funny. Cause like I try to never, I never try to teach people about jujitsu. I'm just like, I like talking about it. And, uh, you know, as somebody as your level, like, I think it definitely holds more weight as like, as a white belt saying, Hey, you need to try this. Cause I think, <laughs> Every white belt probably says, "Hey, you need to try jujitsu." I yeah, I I think the that's the hardest thing though is getting your friends to try it. I had uh uh it was really cool. One of my students he came in with one of his like best friends, and, and when they came in, they came in together. They both signed up, and then his best friend got hurt, and he ended up having to have surgery, and just never really came back. And so for like two years plus, uh, he's been trying to get his friend to come back. And he's just like, yeah, I just, nah, man, I don't know my, you know, my, I don't want to get injured again. I don't want to get injured again. And then we just like ran a deal at our gym last week and it's for a year, a year membership. And, um, this guy signed back up again and he was just that one ask away, just that one little, 
you know, that one little ask away. And if like for me, uh, you know, probably for you, even at this point, you believe that jujitsu is great and it can change people's lives. And so you're like celebrating when one of your friends actually shows up, actually, especially commits and starts to, uh, to train again or something like that. But it takes so many asks to get most people there. You know, uh, it's like most people, it's, it's pretty crazy to say like, yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to go into this room and a guy's going to show us like two moves, uh, of a possible 10 million. And we're going to all drill them a few times. And then we're going to fight to the death. But be right before you die, just tap on your partner who you've never met before. And he's going to, he's going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll let you go. I won't kill you. And, uh, you know, that's a weird ask. That's a really that's a really weird thing to ask somebody, right? And so if uh you know it takes a while of just knowing like okay, I kind of have an idea of what jujitsu is. Maybe your friend is seeing like you know all, all right, I see what my kids are doing. Maybe she starts seeing like wow, it's kind of changing my kids' lives. You know, it's kind of you know they're they're kind of behaving better. They're they're doing this better. You know, I wonder what that could do for me. And usually you just have those little inklings, those little wonders, and then you ask randomly one night you hey do you want to come to jujitsu and she goes yeah i do i've seen i've seen it with so many people and um you know and their their best friends so many people and their wives their husbands you know it's just that like you get that little inkling and you're like that one ask away of you know, hey just do you want to come train tonight sure i'll do it it's crazy how many guys that we used to train um jujitsu with it they would never put on a gi they would all they were all like they were mma guys and then we all like separated, moved to different places from this uh, main gym that we've been at. And what's funny for me and my coach is we see all of our old friends that were MMA only guys, really didn't even go to any jujitsu classes. They're like purple and brown belts in jujitsu now in the gi because they're like they they went into a gi class somewhere randomly and fell in love with it. That's awesome. Speaking of uh, on the topic of new students, and this is something that I've struggled with as well. Like, how it, say you have somebody who's new, and obviously, like everybody drinks a Kool Aid, and you start, you know, there's so much content out there. There's so many instructionals. There's podcasts. Do you recommend that people go look at those resources, or do you say, hey, for three months, just come to the class, don't really do any outside study, because because I see it too, like. I want to, okay, I get stuck in half guard all the time. How do I get out of half guard? And then I'm looking at videos and it's like, this is kind of way above my level and it's not working anyway. So how do you kind of frame that to a, to a new student? So I kind of recommend people watch what they enjoy watching. Uh, part of jujitsu is consuming jujitsu content now. You know, it wasn't always, uh, but part of jujitsu now is listening to two guys talk about jujitsu on a podcast or, or whatever, right? Um, but I think that the problem arises when you start to take everything that you see online as absolute fact, right? Um, just because you you trust this guy who's online, even just because he's won something uh, online or he's won something big and you see him online, you go, okay, yeah, I, I trust this guy. Uh, but it, there's just this problem arises when we go, no, now I need to shut myself off to everything else because, uh, you know, whatever teacher that I saw is, uh, you know, he said it, you know, I have to shut myself off to everything else. Uh, I think 
a lot of just like I said earlier, how I I don't recommend anything to everybody. Uh, it's just like this. Some people don't like video content. They don't get a lot out of it. Uh, it's not very helpful for them. Some people absolutely love video content and they like, as soon as they start jujitsu, they just want to know more. They want to know more and it helps them. Uh, my big thing is try to experiment, see what actually helps you. Uh, and you can decide then if you want to dedicate time to that or not, you know, you may go, you know, it really helps me to watch instructionals, but I hate watching instructionals. If you don't want to dedicate time to it, just, just don't for right then, you know, maybe it helps you watching high level competition. And then you see when you're watching high level competition, okay. Um, you know, I'm struggling with half guard and this guy plays half guard and don't listen to what he says, watch what he does, you know, okay. He, this underhook seems to be really important. He only ever cares about this underhook. You know, you can start going, what if I started to just try to only care about this underhook? You know, a lot of jujitsu learning, I think, can be done better with curiosity than it can just with your coach telling you what to learn. For me anymore, if I could really make my school the way I would, I would absolutely want to. This is just not feasible uh, right now, but I would let all of the learning be online and my um, all my teaching to be individual person, like while they're trying to drill and work on what they want to be drilling and working on. Obviously you need context early on to, to even know what you should be drilling and working on. Um, it's more of kind of like an advanced idea, um, probably like a blue belt and above idea. But I think for most people, they would rather be developing their own jujitsu anyway, than learning exactly what, you know, their coach says, even when I teach like my best classes. And uh, I really feel like when I teach, you know, whether I'm at my school or not, I really feel like I can keep people's attention and, and do really well doing that. But when I teach my absolute best stuff, my newest stuff, and it's clear, it's concise. I may get about 50 of the people or 50% of the people actually paying attention and actually like at my gym, actually caring. And I can tell that they're actually uh, putting thought into the drilling. But most of the time, like the other half, and they're, they're always different people, but the other half is like, okay, you know, I don't, this isn't, I, I want to be playing half guard right now. All I can think about all night is half guard. You know, I think you should be allowed to use that um, kind of uh, curiosity that we all have about jujitsu and maybe have just a little more freedom with it than a lot of places give. And so, uh, but that's just my kind of random uh, kind of thought on that. That makes total sense. Sometimes with the takedowns, I weigh 145 pounds. So like if we're getting taught drop, say, Anagi's, um, the scariest thing possible is for me to get under somebody and try to throw them. Like, it, mm -hmm. especially if I'm doing it to not compete, may I'm kind of on the fence about it. Maybe you can, I'm sure you could convince me. <laughs> Some other people who I've had on the podcast have convinced me to do it. But if I'm going to be in a street fight, I'm not going to be trying to throw somebody over my shoulder. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to be pretty comfortable on my back and like just waiting for them to kind of make a mistake and you know like I think about those things if I'm going to be in a practical application of this is this going to be something I'm going to do and yeah you're right I'm probably not as focused on what the uh the instructor is trying to teach and maybe I'm missing a couple details because I'm thinking hey I probably won't ever use this mm -hmm. yeah I, honestly when I teach anymore um my 
my classes are pretty crazy. They're like, uh, like my Monday night class, half the people will be wearing geese and half the people won't. And I may have one on or I may not uh, while I'm teaching and we'll look at some ideas, uh, but not any actual techniques. We'll just look at some, hey, this is uh, a really important thing. Here are four or five different moves that you see that this is important. You know, you probably do some other moves that you already like that you see that this is important and uh, focus on that tonight. So you get, you know, whatever, we'll set the timer for a certain amount of time and you get to work it and experiment with it and talk about it and try to have a little bit deeper of an understanding of it or something like that. Uh, but to me, that's how I'd rather be teaching. It's way more fun for me to be able to have five different conversations with all my different students showing them, okay, this guy needs help on his knee cut. This guy needs help on his, you know, side control. This guy needs help on all these different things. And I can help them on these different things, but they also are getting to be excited about whatever it is. You know, I'm not, I know like, Hey, whatever technique these guys are trying, it's something that they're excited about because they have freedom to do whatever they want. Why would they just drill what I wanted them to drill if they're not excited about it? How long did it take you to kind of be creative that way where you did things a little bit differently? I feel like I've probably always slightly done things differently. And, and I, I'm always somebody who experiments. Uh, like that is, I will, I, I guarantee you three years from now, we do another podcast. You say, Hey, what are you doing at my, it's your gym right now. It will be different. Um, will, will it be better or worse? Will it be closer to perfect? Who knows? but it will be different. And I think that um, having those, that kind of variety, since so many people are different and saying like, Hey, yes, we're all, we all want to do things however we want to do them, but here are the things that actually matter. Now go do what you want to do, but you know what matters. You know, when I started to do that, I started to really focus on the why of things. I started to notice that the why a lot of times outweighed what I was showing. Just my students having a better understanding of the little fight that they're in. And no one told them, they told them about underhook and they told them about cross base and they told them about all these things, but they never told them, hey, your whole goal here is to put both of your opponent's shoulders on the mat. If you do that, it doesn't matter if you were using a cross base or an underhook, this, you win if you pin them there. You know, when you can make it that simple, then you have people that go, okay, well, I'll use an underhook or I'll use a cross face or they'll go, I'll just use my head and push their shoulder to the mat. You know, I'll use whatever. Uh, when you have that, you say, this is what matters. Figure it out yourself or here's some ways you can do it. Apply it to the way you want to. Then you don't have a bunch of like mini me's trying to do my jujitsu, which I've developed on my own, you know, which so much of it is my own jujitsu works for my body type against in the weight class that I compete in uh, against the opponents that I think I'm going to have where I'm trying to go, okay, these are the things I need to be working. And to tell all my students, they need to be doing the same thing. When, like you said, you know, I've, I've police officers in that they don't, they're not there to compete. They're there to be able to defend themselves better. And if I spend a month showing X guard, did I really help them at all? Obviously, it's fun for them if they're if they're into jujitsu, and I think you should be just into whatever's being taught. You should just be happy learning jujitsu. Um, but it it would be so much more helpful for them if they got to just a little more specificity in what they wanted to be doing. Yeah, 
I think that's great. The the one thing that um you know as a beginner, I look at people who are really creative and it's really cool when you see somebody who's kind of just flowing around. But one of the things that people forget is you earn that creativity. You've been doing jujitsu since 2008. You're at the point where, hey, you can teach differently than other people, and you've earned that right to do it. But we don't want to put in the 14 years of work that it took to get there to to do things differently. Because in the beginning, like, and in my case, I'm just worried about defending myself. That's mm -hmm. it. Like, I'm really not worried about creating a game or if I want to play half guard or full guard or whatever. I'm just like, I'm under people, full mount or side control, and I'm just trying to get out. And uh -huh. like, that's, that's really what I'm focused on. So, but I want to eventually be creative in it and like be able to flow around and like do things that other people aren't able to do. But a lot of times we forget that people earn the right to do that that's very true you ever see the youtube video how to defend everything no i'll look that up you should this. look it up it's with chris Payne's. it's it's a uh it's a seminar so it's like 45 minutes but it's the whole seminar uh and it is just as something you were you had said you said you wanted to you're trying to learn to defend yourself right um but then you said when you're in side control and you're in mount you're trying to get out and uh, there is a little disconnect between those two things. Because when I try to get out of side control, right, I try to get out of mount, I risk getting submitted. That is the time that I have the most risk of getting submitted. And this how to, uh, how, how to defend everything has a really unique perspective. Chris is one of my buddies and has a really unique perspective of how to just not get submitted. And I also, you can... Um, know watching it that I've rolled with Chris uh, uh, multiple times and he is incredibly good and uh, uh, can defend pretty much everything. So you can, uh, you should check that out. I think you would like it. Okay. I'm thinking about all the times that I gave up my back and just got choked when I was in and out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, I, I guess I'm trying to do two things at one time. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that's the weirdest thing I always say. Uh, I just had an episode out this week, and it was the the biggest difference to me technically between a, a white belt and a black belt is knowing when to be offensive and knowing when to be defensive. It's a black belt and a blue belt even. You know, they both know a lot of technique. They both know a lot of jiu-jitsu, but black belts know when to apply it and when to keep your elbows in tight and not apply anything. And so uh, I really think that that is just having a, a good idea of what defense actually is. It really can help everybody learn jujitsu then because then they can go, okay, um, I got submitted. Was I being defensive at that moment? No. Okay. Well, they, you know, they, I should have been more defensive. You know, I could have, I could have avoided that if, you know, my elbows were in tighter. I could have defended that. Uh, and so it, you know, it's really helpful though, when you start to see jujitsu in a sense of it's your turn to go and I'm going to try to defend. And then hopefully I start to get good enough that then it's my turn to go after that. You know, at first it's your turn to go. I defend it's still your turn to go. I keep defending, you know, you just keep, keep defending. Hopefully you get tired beating me up. Right. Um, but eventually you start to get to go also and start to have offense too. And if your opponent doesn't know defense, they don't know that, Hey, I shouldn't be fighting so hard for this stuff right now because I should be defending. You know, I'm in a, you know, uh, I think 
like Gordon Ryan and uh, John Danaher talk about like offensive and defensive cycles, just knowing, hey, I should be defensive right now. I should be offensive right now. If you just had that red light, green light, you would immediately be better at jujitsu. And I think the best way to learn that is to first learn the red light of how do I actually defend? How do I actually keep people from tapping me out? Yeah. I like that. I'm going to watch that after this. For sure. How, how have you kept it fun? I mean, you've been doing the same thing. And I know, like, jujitsu is very variable. I come from an Olympic weightlifting background, and I've been doing that for four years. It's tough to keep that fun because you do two lifts all the time, and you're not going against anybody. You're just going against yourself all the time. But, like, jujitsu, it's still monotonous like you're still essentially doing the same thing like you're fighting different people and you're trying different techniques but how have you kept it fresh for all this time i would say i never take myself or jujitsu too seriously uh and i think that a lot of times jujitsu stops being fun when it starts being too serious it starts being uh you know i could do it i could do it now with like uh the way i teach some people do this. They're like, okay, well, I teach better than everybody else. You know, no one knows how to teach. Only I know how to teach. When you start to do that, uh, not only are you stealing the fun of jujitsu from yourself, you're kind of stealing it from other people too. And like, uh, you're closing off the the fact that we still don't know everything that there is to know about jujitsu. There's no. We're seeing people hit new submissions. We're seeing people hit uh, or play the game differently so often at the highest levels. Uh, there's no way we know everything that has gone on. So to be so serious, to uh, lose friendships, to lose students, to lose whatever. Because you are so um, held on to your whatever your jujitsu belief is, uh, I think can make it not fun. And so uh, that is a big thing that I I don't do is I keep things very not serious. Just you know, we're we're I started jujitsu yes to lose weight, but I stuck with jujitsu because it was fun. And so to me, as long as we can keep it fun, we just don't make it serious. We make, you know, when we're going to the gym, uh, today's a perfect example. It's a Sunday. We have these big open mats at our school on Sundays and we'll have anywhere from five to 10 different schools represented. And so it's just, it's open to whoever wants to come in. And it's so much fun. Cause we have all these guys that are like, Hey, we're here to beat up the head nod guys. You know, that's why they're there. They're, they're trying to, you know, they're like, we know this is going to be a tough room on Sundays. We're here to, to fight. And so, uh, when you do that and then you, you know, Sundays are soundtrack Sundays, we have a movie soundtrack that will, whatever, you know, it's always random today was, uh, uh, Tokyo drift. And so like, you know, we always do something fun, just something to keep everybody entertained, something to keep everybody excited. But I really think that that comes from the fact that it's not serious. If it really was about us trying to defend the honor of our gym on Sundays, people wouldn't come, but no one really cares. It's really just about everybody in our area getting, having a place on Sunday to, to train really hard. Uh, and especially the, the tougher people in our area, you know, cause when you become one of the best guys at your gym, you're like one of the best guys at your gym and you stop getting pushed as much. And so, uh, you know, having days like that makes it really fun. But I think that we could ruin that really quickly by taking it too seriously and making it too serious. Yeah. I, I mean, how have you 
like has your ego dissolved like you still obviously you compete and you want to you want to win but you have the i suck at jiu-jitsu podcast like you, you <laughs> obviously don't take it super seriously but like do you feel like you still have an ego a bit where you're rolling with somebody and like you still want to win you still want to beat them i have a huge ego uh and people that tell you like black belts that tell you that they don't they're liars they really are because i have beaten up a lot of black belts that that claim egoless and even um uh have uh podcasts or youtubes or instagrams or facebooks that you know they post stuff where they claim egoless and you beat them up and they have an ego you know they don't like that uh you know of course some have more than others some handle it more than others but there are still um here's a perfect example i will uh go to a local tournament sometime and uh you know they'll have some freaking 17 year old pothead working the front desk where they're like uh, where he's like uh um trying to get people to uh to to pay to be spectators and they'll i'll be like yeah i need a, a coach's band and they'll be like hey you only get two coaches bands for you know per team and i'll be like dude i have 50 people here you're gonna give me two coaches bands per team i have 50 people here and to me uh, maybe i'm i'm mad because it's uh about coaching my students or something like that but honestly it's probably more just my ego being like dude I am relevant enough that you should give me my coach's band. And in all honesty, probably shouldn't think that way. You know, so people that, you know, black belts that tell you like, oh yeah, you know, you just, you just stop having an ego. I've had trying to think, I don't, I, I have a lot, I have a few students that pretty close to have no ego, uh, that, that really close, they're really close to having no, no ego, but there are still certain people at the gym that if they were to lose to that person, they would be very upset about it. You know what I mean? They, they really would. And so, uh, yeah, I think that the, uh, yeah, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only guy with an ego. Maybe I'm the jerk, but to me, I think that that's a myth. The, uh, um, the, the black belts don't have egos thing. They just don't lose a lot. Yeah. I love it. Um, Josh, where can people find your gym? Where can people find your podcasts? And I uh, keep, keep up to date with you so my gym is head not hq in granite city illinois if you're in st louis uh like st louis missouri that would be probably a, a reason to be close uh yeah anyone who wants to come in and train more than welcome to especially on one of those sunday open mats they're always a blast and then um on instagram you can follow me at the josh mckinney and most importantly the, the coolest thing i do uh, that most people could partake in is my podcast, the Isaka Jiu Jitsu Show. Uh, I post every Thursday and either have an interview with somebody that's uh, involved in Jiu Jitsu in some way that I think would be interesting to talk to, or uh, it'll be a solo episode where it's just me teaching a habit, uh, an idea, uh, a part of Jiu Jitsu in detail. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me.